Hello and welcome to the A-Form show. My name is Alan George and thank you very much for tuning in. Each week we sit across from thought leaders and change makers in the architecture and design space of the GCC. We dive deep into their experiences both professionally and personally and share their valuable insight as to what makes them tick. Our goal is to add value to your day and help you navigate your own personal creative journey. Finally, the opinions and the views of the guest speakers are that of their own. They do not necessarily represent the views and the opinions of the show or the host. Before we get into the show, we'd love to give a big shout out to our friends at Inkscape Education Management based right here out of Dubai Design District. Inkscape is a design training institute specializing in skill training specifically for the design and creative professions. They currently offer short courses in architecture, fashion, interior design, and graphics design. Inkscape's unique training style is aimed at training individuals through design thinking methodologies, enabling them to process and generate real-life solutions with confidence. If you're a working professional, they got you covered too. In addition to the daytime courses that they have running. There are courses tailor-made for you with evening sessions. They provide working professionals with an opportunity to acquire new skills when it suits them. In a nutshell, you can earn while you learn. So the time is now. Pick up a new skill and add value to your workspace. If this is of interest to you, feel free to reach out to them on Instagram and Facebook at WeAreInscape UAE. That is WeAreInscape UAE. Today's guest is Anik Ahmed. Anik is an architect and an award-winning architectural photographer. With projects like the Umal Kuwain Martyrs Memorial under his belt, Anik now focuses on capturing moments created by architectural and interior design. His photography has been recognized by several international competitions and has gone on to be featured across various media platforms, both locally and internationally. One of his images, one of my favorites I might add, is of the Autodrome Grandstand right here in Dubai. The image has been simply titled as the letter G. G went on to not only win awards, but be exhibited at the Photoloft Gallery in Moscow and became part of the Moscow International Photo Awards back in 2015. Over the last few years, Anik has developed a keen eye for detail which has greatly helped him in planning and executing photography projects for both commercial and private clients. In today's episode, we talk about the nuances of architectural photography and how it really works. We get into transitioning career paths and finding your passion. So, without further ado, take it away, Anik. Welcome everyone to the A-Form show. Big news today, we have with us an architect. But an architect who does not do anything with architecture no more, but does something a lot better, I would think. Today we have with us someone who I've known for a really, really long time. Someone who I've actually seen start up from scratch and legitimately follow his passion. I mean, no shortcuts, no nothing, literally from the ground up all the way to where he is now. And I'm, of course, talking about no one else than Anik Ahmed. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me on the show. Cool, man. It's, it's, it's really dope to have you. Primarily because I genuinely feel whenever I bring up architectural photography, 
to people, they normally turn around and say, yeah, dude, how hard could that be? I mean, it's a camera, it's a building. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you're, for, you know, like chasing people for like a photo or something. Your building's there, it's not moving. It has no problem. So how hard could it be? To which I always say, dude, I've seen the amount of effort that goes into it. I mean, it's it's nowhere near something I could ever do. But I'm curious for people who are listening to this, obviously, at some point in their life, have definitely held a camera and have definitely tried to photograph their work. I'm curious in your case, because mm-hmm. you studied architecture professionally, yeah. correct? Correct. How did that entire process happen that you decided from working as an architect to leaving that behind and going into photography? What was that eureka moment that you had? Well, I wouldn't say it was a moment uh, that just appeared. It was a progressive moment. Uh, for architectural photography even for general photography um i i used to be interested in photography as a child i used to get my hands on every camera i could go out take pictures print them it was film back then so i used to print them uh, i used to enjoy making what images back then the normal film cameras no more there are but uh i used to use my dad's film camera i didn't have my own camera so i used <laughs> to grab any camera i could get my hands on back then my dad had a film camera so it was that Nice. Then the digital era came. But even up until this time, yeah. had you ever formally learned photography in, in any capacity? No. So just as every photographer who started out, I used to shoot uh, macro, I used to shoot uh, landscape, animals, portraits, buildings, and so on. Right. Again, sorry, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm like, no, no, interrupting you, but, but, but I'm trying to understand what about it. I mean, when, when you see a picture, for example, of, of a building that's shot right yeah what is it that's standing out to you i'm trying to see where the architect is stopping and when the photographer is coming on right so when you see a building are you looking at the design of the building or are you looking at the photography elements of that photo so i'm looking at the design elements and the overall design of the building and how to bring it out best because not every building looks good it's not easy to show off a design of a building right you need to wait for that moment Uh, you need to have that light you need to have uh, the composition you need to go back home and work on the image right to bring out the effect and the idea that the architect had while designing the building right so uh, normally when i shoot for architectures i go with the architects and they give me a tour on the building and they explain to me what the idea was right and i try to bring out the image uh, the the story uh, through the image i create cool so you're in architect school you're flipping through all these images for inspiration Correct. You somehow, some parallel tells you that I need to pick up a proper camera, go out shooting. Was it as simple as that? It wasn't that easy because, uh, yes, I did pick up a camera and go out shooting. It takes a lot of practice because you need to train your eye to actually get the images and get the right angle. Right. Also, using the right lens uh, plays an important part. But yeah, it took a while to get your eyes trained. And also, when I was in architecture school, you learn about visualization. You learn about getting your perspectives right, your one-point, your two-point perspectives. So that kind of also helped me to develop right, right, great right. images of uh, buildings. Right. Yeah, that never occurred to me. There was such a parallel yeah. in between both of them. Right? So Yeah, so if you see most architects, they pick up photography, mm-hmm. most of them. And they are always interested in photography or some sort of photography. That's cool, man. Which was the first camera you ever had? 
Oh, the first mm. camera you ever owned? The first camera I owned, uh, it was the Nikon D5000. Okay. Uh, I won that through a photography competition. So, so prior to that, I was using a small digital camera, which was not mine. I had been on loan. So I used <laughs> that. I took an image and then there was a photography competition. I submitted that image to uh, the competition and it won. The winning prize was a brand new camera. DSLR camera so that's when I started taking it seriously because now I have a professional camera well a DSLR camera it's a mid-level but it's a DSLR camera it it had interchangeable lenses and I tried different genres because of architecture school uh, I went towards architectural photography and interiors which brings me to my next question how different is regular photography when I say regular photography Mm -hmm. I'm talking about you know, like if you're walking on a street, you know, you, yeah. you take a picture of a building, you take a picture of a person, you know, whatever that you're experiencing mm-hmm. as you're, you know, at that level. What's the difference between some some kind of photography of that nature and architectural photography? For architectural photography, I would say you need to wait for the right moment. It's mainly crafting the story that you want to tell. Right. With that, you need to keep in mind also the angles you choose the lighting you need to wait for the right light especially if you're shooting exteriors it's not a matter of you're just walking by and you take an image and you're done right you got the shot you know you need to wait for the right light i mean like i'm trying to understand does the time that you take for every photo vary from building to building uh no exterior so for exterior images i normally shoot uh, during the blue hour which which is which is 10 minutes after sunset or before sunrise so it's called the blue hour okay. but in this region it lasts for a few minutes if wow. you yeah if, if, if you go to europe it lasts for about two hours three hours but here you only have a window of few minutes to get your shot right it's when the sky goes dark but the camera picks up the blues in the sky and yes. then your lights of your building hit on and everything is in place for the image it's exposed properly so, so this is a lot of back-end work i imagine that goes in for this so normally when I take on an architectural shoot, I go for a recce before the shoot day with the client. Uh, I have a phone in my hand. Uh, we go create the shot list. We look at the images that need to be captured. Uh, I also see where I need to start with in, in respect to where the sun rises and the sun sets. Because if I'm going to be shooting interiors, I need to shoot with good enough light that comes in. So I need to know which is the room I need to start with and where I need to end. So we do the recce. Uh, and then we go outdoor and we do the same recce there. We see which is the best angle to capture the east side or the west side, right. sunrise or sunset. So right. we have a whole day of planning before we actually the go shoot. onto the shoot. Okay. And then the day of the shoot, it could change. Of if, course, as uh, it does. If the weather, if there's clouds, if it's overcast, if it's rainy. So it does. And there are approvals and so on, which is on the side. How how difficult or easy is that here in this region? Depends where the shoot is. If it's going to be in, in a development, which belongs to a developer, it's a lengthy process. If it's a standalone building, right. you hardly need any uh, any approvals. Right. If it's in, in a locality like DIFC, then you need the management's uh, approval to go ahead with the shoot. But normally, it's, right. it's just either a short process or a long, longer process. Interesting. Because I've actually always wondered about one particular photo you always take at the one particular time of the year. <laughs> and I think you know which one I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. It's the New Year's uh, Yes, For, for, for those of you guys who haven't seen Anik's uh, New Year's Eve shot, 
dude like every year you think oh yeah 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 that's the best one i've seen so far on the and then the next day you're like yeah, yeah dude that's so much better than the previous year and it just keeps big you know getting better and better and better i mean the subjects the same the material is the same it's mm-hmm. basically the burj khalifa with fireworks essentially but every year it just looks visually better and better and better i'm curious to know walk us through what the 31st of december looks like to you all right so i'll walk you through what happens before that i have to chase down people and try to convince <laughs> them to let me up on 31st and tell them that i'm going to give you then the image to use for your use but let me up right. there right. and this is what i do and right. my images uh, these are my images right and you will you will be happy so that's before and uh, 31st december i get to downtown around 4 pm okay all right i have to park my car outside cuz you if you park your car in downtown you're going to reach home 4 in the morning <laughs> so 4 pm park your car in down, outside downtown get to the tower around 7 pm when you say the tower you're saying the tower where you're shooting the photo the tower where i'm shooting yeah because right. uh, the the tower where i have been shooting for the past few years uh, they locked the area down because it's only for families so okay. if i walk in with my bag and tripod they <laughs> ask me to leave but yeah so if i'm there before 7 pm i can access the road and go up to the tower so i be there at 7 pm and you just wait for 5 hours okay so you wait at the top of the building yeah either at the top or either at the lobby or right yeah right and how long does a setup take for something like that i mean for you to like get equipment out bolt screw on things test images and all of that till you're ready to take that final shot how long does that normally take normally it takes me 15 minutes okay to do the entire process uh, it used to take longer but uh, as you work with it you learn right. Right. that there's it, it's it's easier it gets easier any uh, tips and tricks that you have to like you know very instantly change the outcome of a picture for fireworks uh, yeah for fireworks gen- yeah. i mean cuz i would imagine it's 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 one of the most photographed thing yeah in the region at that time so you need a tripod for first you need to have a long exposure right i normally use a remote in bulb mode which means i can i can control the speed of shutter manually so right. i can make it go for 2 seconds maybe 3 seconds 4 seconds okay so i i always keep an eye on the on the fireworks so you know what to capture when okay so it's, it's all manual i i keep my iso on 100 okay. to reduce the noise aperture is more like 2.8 i hope you you are getting the information right or uh, <laughs> no i mean i would not by any means say that i know anything about photography okay all right i would say that i am able to follow you thus far so okay. so <laughs> i think it's fine so it's iso aperture and speed of the shutter is it's a triangle so you change one the other one changes so okay. i keep everything on manual and have a tripod in hand okay then you're set to go would it be fair to say that I mean since again you know going back to the earlier point where you've not had any formal education in photography pretty much everything you know is self learned or self taught true self taught yeah right and if that is the case there must have been a lot of time that has gone into you you know experimenting and seeing what works with what and a lot of failures also i would imagine 
yeah uh for fireworks a lot of the times i came back with no result uh really? yeah so oh. but luckily the first time i took uh, the image of the fireworks it's actually it's actually won an award uh, i don't know if wow. you know about that the the downtown photography award yeah, fireworks yeah, 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 yeah. it happened around 2011 right 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 so that was the first time i had my tripod in hand and i looked up something on youtube and i went and i shot images of the fireworks nice not everything turned out pretty but there was some good ones of course uh and luckily the good one won a competition Sweet. Uh, nice it seems like a really really technical field that you're in it doesn't seem like something which has a lot of how should you say a lot of room for creativity if you may what i'm trying to understand yeah. is essentially everyone takes a photo through a camera True. right how creative can you get with the process i mean have you seen or do you recall anything wherein someone used a camera to take a photo but it was done in a entirely unique way i've seen people who done who, who do that and i've done it myself like you know the rules so as as long as you know the rules it's okay to break them right so uh, you know your your light's not good enough but you still go out and shoot maybe you want to show it's a moody image so you shoot it dark right. but normally if you look at the technical aspects right. it's uh, underexposed it's creativity and and you wanted to give that mood to the image right so as long as you know the rules and you're breaking them intentionally uh, which i've done i think it's fine you don't have to f- go by the books that's really interesting man what i'm thinking is since there's so much back end work that goes mm. in to before you even take the picture right you have to do a recce and you have to put so much of your time your man hours into the photo before it's even being clicked do you have a similar approach a similar structured approach to your post production meaning once you take the picture mm-hmm. do you perhaps structure the way you take your picture knowing what's going to happen to it in post that's a really good question uh so i shoot based on what i'm going to edit or how i'm going to edit my workflow so i shoot based on that so i know i have an underexposed image before it's normally exposed and then there's an overexposed image right so that's my normal structure to the images and i keep that the same in every shoot i go to and then once i come back home i have them on the computer and then i i rename them okay uh, so they're all structured in in the right folder and then it's easy for me to work on and right. to have the images with the numbers right in place okay I mean I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to be like cringing the minute I say this but mm-hmm. would it be safe to assume that you use Photoshop for something like this definitely uh I use Photoshop okay. to edit like it's part of my workflow but it's not my main application right. right you need to use Photoshop in your images like you can't do without Photoshop okay uh every image out there has gone through some Photoshop it's, it's not right. like there's no Photoshop right. done but the extent of it depends on your client or your creative brief right like there's no end to photoshop you can manipulate the image right right uh and keep doing it so and you might destroy it or it might turn out good but right. you you need to have a limit uh, right. as to how you use right. it i remember there was this uh, photographer friend of mine who used to always say that there's a very fine line between you mm-hmm. know how much you use photoshop yeah but 
the best result you can hope for is when people can't tell if you've used it do you agree with that or no it could but then at, at times it's quite obvious like you would know i've i've used the application photoshop uh in the region like if there are clouds that do not exist or do not show up right. in the bar you know i i have to add that because the client wants that right. kind of clouds to be shown in the sky so right then i would not want to do it but if the client requests for it yes then i have to go by the creative director or or the client's request right but normally i tend to not overdo i try to keep it natural maybe just use the tones and the curves uh not introduce elements in like i just did a shoot and then i was asked to remove elements from from the image right which takes up time and it destroys the image right. if it's not done well right uh so i try to avoid that i try to fix everything on set and right. try to have everything done in camera rather than go on the computer and manipulate the image okay. a lot okay which which is the right way to do things i would imagine right it is it is okay another question i would have is this entire process seems mm-hmm. like you said a very painstaking and very time consuming process yeah. you know right from the beginning till the photo and editing and so on at this point in your career do you have a team around you that takes some of this leaving you to just photograph or do you still do it all yourself for quality control or whatever it may be no, yeah i do everything from start to finish to okay. delivering the images i do everything uh, on my own right. in house i've been approached by companies who do retouching for uh, photographers right but i haven't used any of them yet right. the reason being that i'm i'm hired for my work right. and the style of images that i create right and i'm not so sure how others would match my style if i give my right. images out to them right right uh, maybe right. they would be able to do it but i'm not sure maybe when i get really busy i would give it a try right yeah cuz cuz there's another debate out there but this isn't a photography thing this okay. is just a a individual versus a brand thing mm-hmm. right when people hire for example when when people hire anik ahmed photography yeah right they expect to get anik ahmed true clicking the photo mm-hmm. however if anik ahmed photography happens to be an agency with 100 people now does you know you get what i'm trying to say yeah true does, so does that individual become representative of the agency and is it wrong for a client to assume that maybe they're getting something subpar or overpar as compared to what they originally wanted so let's say if I, if i were a company i'm specialized in architectural photography right right so my clients would expect to uh, expect me to come on site rather than because if you look at it in from an architect's point of view you're working for an architect the architect goes for uh, the client meeting or of course selling the project right but the people who do the project are or uh, maybe you or someone else working in the company so it's not the main guy it's, it's not norman foster who who does the work he has people to do it for him right and in that case it's acceptable over there but in terms of photography if they're coming to me for the work that i put out right especially in architecture and interior photography yes i would it would be important for me to show up right if i had 
other services like weddings and and so on then yeah uh, but of course if i'm going to be doing architecture photography i i would make it a point for myself to show up there and i wouldn't give it to anyone else right so it's on me uh, fair enough fair yeah. enough i mean i mean the different approaches obviously yeah. to but it's it's nice to know that um, in a world of uh, for lack of a better word <laughs> i mean like in a world of subcontracting where yeah. everything goes work. out to 10 mm. you know different people uh, it's nice to know that you actually maintain all of this like live with you yeah. and that you actually control all the aspects of the picture so in a sense tomorrow if that picture gets any acclaim as i'm sure yeah. many of yours has you can truly take complete responsibility for that as well as compared True. to as compared to you know having an editor and um you know someone who did mm-hmm. the story and all of that yeah which which i find kind of interesting i don't think a lot of people do that here at least i don't know of any is that what the overall sentiment is here in this market like in dubai is it mainly a lot of um individual photographers who have their own thing or is it primarily agencies or is it a mix of both so i have known architectural photographers who went on to have their own agencies right uh they of course get busy and they have other services among architectural photography services right but i know for sure that when it's an architectural shoot they go themselves and they do not send uh, their team right i mean their team goes go to assist him on on shoots right, but they right, won't right. go to shoot or to create the images themselves right. Right. so as far as i know if anyone's hiring you for your style you want to keep up that style true and makes you want to keep up your name also cuz makes sense i mean i guess with something like this there is no hiding right i mean literally your portfolio is your work in a sense exactly your portfolio is your resume it's your it's everything actually it's yeah. what you exactly like you can literally just print out a photo and leave it with someone and be like that's who that's created that exactly <laughs> that's it that's your cv yeah <laughs> if you want this quality get in touch with me that's it just right. add a number to it right that's really cool man because this is something which probably a lot of our listeners are thinking about as they're hearing you speak which is i'm interested in architectural photography i do have a pretty decent camera which i can use i think i've taken a few good photos and i think i want to you know maybe try this out and see mm-hmm. you know what architectural photography is all about for which first question they need a client from somewhere somehow yeah right what was your first client like how did that entire experience come about and how did you grow from that client to where you are now so i had a friend who was working as a graphic designer for for a company <laughs> and i think you know who that friend is yeah 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 uh, that that's yeah okay and uh, so he knew i was good in photography and his client needed some images of uh, the interior space of the office so he said why don't you do it i said okay i'll give it a try why not uh, so this was an interior job then interior job yeah okay. i went on i did the interior job that client had uh, something to do with product image images so i right. shot products then that went on to shooting food for another client and from there it went on to shooting events right so that was my first uh, first gig and I, i was lucky to get that through uh and that's how i made my my first client okay interesting 
so that job goes well that job goes well it's word of mouth or you just add it to your portfolio or that becomes a portfolio if you do not have one you need to create a portfolio because like any other creative field architectural photography is a creative field and you need to have a portfolio to show your clients what you have done in the past and what you can do for them right don't have a portfolio uh, you can always approach uh, hotels or offices and in exchange for you letting for them letting you shoot uh, their space right. you give them the images which i've done in the past because i needed to get some things on my of portfolio course, of course so you go you go look for something that has a nice interior a space that has a nice interior you tell them okay i'll give you images if you let me shoot uh, your space and right. no one's going to say no because it's free images for them right and you get to try out your skills there but that's such a brilliant way to kind of a lot of people say that oh you can never make anyone happy you can never make everyone happy you know that phrase mm-hmm. yeah i think that's such a brilliant outlook to kind of everyone getting a win-win scenario out of it wherein you as someone who has you know that entire catch 22 situation which is you have no experience mm-hmm. you can't get the job yeah. and you know no one will give you that job because you don't have any experience so it's yeah, always it's like circle yeah it's always like a circle and this is such a brilliant way to break out of it without giving numbers mm-hmm. away i'm curious to know how your initial price worked out how did you come to that figure for that first job of yours and has that process evolved has it changed to where you are now pricing is always a tricky tricky issue because you right. you do not know if it's going to go through or it's going to be rejected right. so when i started out i didn't have a number in mind but the client had a budget and it was straightforward they were like i have this much can you do it for okay. me so i said yes and i did it but then i understood what what the clients would have in the region right uh and i also did my research right and of course yes like you said it's going to differ from client, client to client, to client. Yeah, yeah. and from work to work of course if i should real estate photography i i'm sure you know it's different from architectural photography real estate photography is you go into you need to sell the property so right. it's like you take wide angle lens you go into the space you shoot everything right. wide and you might shoot 50 images a day and you just give it to the realtor right yeah right but oppo- opposed to that it's different for architectural photography okay because of that kind of work where it's fast and there's not much work you compensate on uh, on the price and the quality doesn't change so it's the same yeah i think that's where we are on pricing so so there's no there's no real logic or sequence you can follow with it i guess it's 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 always a new process with every single client right a major factor that affects the pricing is the way they use it right so normally when i have my structure i have the recce fee uh then i have uh, the post product i mean the production which is the day fee or the creative fee you would call it then i have the post production for every image so that's where the client can control how many images they want right. uh, from you and how much they can pay for then comes the licensing fee so most clients don't want to use it for their websites social media maybe a brochure or something and then comes the part with where they want to use for for billboards or uh, right you know uh, these uh, boards on the roads so 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 your rates basically vary on the usage on the usage and the duration 
uh, of how long they want to use it for. Right. Uh, now in this region, not many follow that, or not many not many have gone through that uh, that phase. Yeah, like they haven't uh, yet reached that level, like how it's in the U.S. or right. on Europe. Right. So it's quite new for them in this region, okay. but uh, they are learning it okay. uh, through agencies. Okay. Um, so it's working out that way. Interesting. Cool. I think on that note, I think it's time to probably take a quick intermission. Yeah. For all of you guys listening all the way till now, we really appreciate it because these tend to get quite long, but I'm sure you can agree that there's definitely a lot of value for anyone who's interested in this particular topic. Stick around and we'll be right back after this short break. Thank you guys for listening to this episode thus far. It makes us really, really proud that we can add value to your commute, your drive, your workout, your design time, whatever it is that you may be doing and keep you inspired. Our inspiration and passion is fueled by the amazing team over at the Orange Design Group. The Orange Design Group, or ODG as they're affectionately known, is an award-winning boutique design firm specializing in bespoke client-centric design solutions. They're based right here out of Dubai. What's cool with them is that under their umbrella, they offer an integrated design concept with architectural, specialist lighting, and home automation services. Their designs are super clean, as in super, super clean. They have a keen eye for detail, and their work has gone on to be featured in various media outlets, both locally and internationally. Their work has won multiple awards across various fields. Currently, they're working on delivering niche, residential, and cultural projects across the GCC. Their work is truly, truly, truly inspiring for any designer. You guys should definitely check them out. They're on LinkedIn and Instagram. The handles are at Orange Design Group. That is at Orange Design Group. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us again. I'm sitting across the very talented Anik Ahmed, who probably is the only architectural photographer I know who has the most diverse portfolio that I know. For those of you guys who don't know, he has literally gone across. You you started with interior and then branched so I, into? Yeah, I started with interiors and I started shooting products for the same client. That went on shooting events through word of mouth and then food. So yeah, I started shooting and all of that through... and then and then came portraits uh, for 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 the same client. Okay. And yeah, so I tried all the genres and and you landed on architectural photography and that's what you've stuck with. So yeah, I landed on architectural photography. Interior would be cut, would be with that and food i still shoot food because i like how creative you can get and i shoot events a thought that i had since you're like practically a one-man army when it comes to you know shooting how much gear do you have or how much gear does one need for architectural photography because i've only ever seen photographers constantly carry around you know big bulky equipment and normally mm-hmm. require like 10 people following them with like further equipment so how how simple or not is your equipment how portable is it how i mean have you perhaps tailored your gear to match the fact that 
you're the single one person taking the picture i mean how how is that worked out so normally i would carry 25 kilos of gear on on a shoot 25 kilos of gear. yeah i'll haul 25 kilos of equipment through for those of you guys <laughs> who have not seen anik or ever <laughs> met him he isn't the most what's the polite way to put this <laughs> i don't know how polite that can be but uh let's just say that if there was a strong wind outside anik needs to be held down or else so he might polite. just fly away <laughs> so for someone like that to carry 25 kilos legit 25 kilos yeah but wow. at times i try to get a trolley so yeah that's off my back yeah fair enough yeah, but, but still, still it's moving kilos 25 kilos of gear around camera lenses extra bodies accessories lighting accessories diffusers tripods stands they all uh, add up to wow. the gear gear list okay and um, i mean yeah. does this vary if you're doing say an interior shoot versus an architectural shoot uh yes if i'm shooting an arc if i'm doing an architectural shoot it's more like if it's just exteriors i actually do not need anything more than my tripod camera and my lens okay uh, cuz i'm going to be shooting the i do not need lighting i use ambient light for uh, exterior photos right for interiors i tend to have lighting equipment that i carry along with me and uh, move it through every set of the house 90% of the time you are moving things in an interior shoot right uh you're moving furniture you're moving accessories you're moving your camera and your lighting right uh, gear so i tend to take about 10 to 12 images on an 8 hour shoot interior shoot so it's roughly about an hour per shot yes yes as an average okay yes uh and most of the time you're working with a stylist to make the space look more prettier accessories for uh, the space the furniture uh, you need to probably move uh, a cushion or place a throw or accessories on the table the stylist does all of that so that takes time in addition to having the shot aligned right this is actually really inspiring because this is really i mean i'm sure there are a few architects and designers who are listening to this right now who want to photograph their work right yeah who probably like myself don't have a lot of knowledge of photography even though you've kind of given us like i would think this is like a foundation course okay. of photography that <laughs> I hope just so. finished <laughs> i hope um but for those who want to get at least the basics not mm-hmm. get into the advanced level of things but understand basics of architectural photography how do you recommend that they start is there anything uh would you recommend a certain type of camera would you recommend any areas of the buy that they can go shoot mm-hmm. specific things try out different settings in different areas any anything that you would recommend that they can do on their own before going to something more formal well of course dubai is a playground for architects and photographers gear wise i would say you could use anything like a mid level cam- camera uh not too low because you will find yourself wanting to upgrade easily uh lens wise i would keep it between 24 mm to 70 mm is what uh, the standards are for architectural photography if you want to go advanced you get a tilt shift lens 
so it lets you keep all your verticals vertical and not skewed right right because normally if you use a lens if you're trying to get the height of a building you're going to tilt your camera upwards right. and that's going to make your lines onwards to the top right right so what this lens lets you do is you can keep your camera body square to the building right and you can shift the lens up so it has right. uh, the top of the building also covered right 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 so that lets you get your images straight and vertical and square it's expensive uh so maybe once you know thought that that's what a tripod was being used for right a tripod is to level the horizon okay but uh if you want to get your vertical straight right uh you would need a hill shift lens especially made for architectural photography and, and interiors. So yeah, yeah, you would imagine, you know, verticals being straight are the most important thing. Yeah, because imagine okay. you're going to shoot the Burj Khalifa. If you're trying to fit the whole building into your frame, you're going to point yeah. It's only the cameras. tallest building in the world at, at the point it's, of this podcast being recorded. <laughs> exactly. So 800 so. meters tall. <laughs> if you're going to try, try to get that in your frame, you're going to point your camera upwards. Right. But with the tilt shift lens... Of course, you need to leave some distance between of course. the object and yourself. Right. But with that, you can shift your lens higher to accommodate uh, the whole whole building right. in the right. frame. Oh. But yeah, that comes with a big price tag. Interesting. See, yeah. learning something new <laughs> every day. <laughs> right. So now I have my basic gear. Yeah. Where can I go? Where would you recommend as a novice architectural photographer? What can I shoot? Where can I shoot? What can I experiment with to find my own style, if you may? Well, your own style would come with practice. Of course, of you're course. going to be looking at other photographers. You're trying to, you're going to try and mimic their styles right. and through which you will learn uh, your own style. Maybe you'll, you'll have a style that you picked up from another photographer and you're going to change it a bit. Right. And that becomes your style. Right. You know, um, there's a lot of places in Dubai, uh, especially in the downtown areas, or maybe just DIFC, uh, quite some interesting buildings and uh, compositions you can find. Uh, it's a good area to to move around within. Dubai Marina is also another good location okay. uh, to work with. Yeah, in general, I think anywhere in Dubai, the new Dubai side would be right. a good place to start having your, your portfolio. I'm curious, so why not old Dubai? Is it because it's probably harder to shoot? Is that it? Well, Dubai is too congested. There's not enough space to right okay. to move within. Of course, you can go to Al Sif and Pastakia is a good area to actually shoot, especially right. with the play of light and shadows. If that's uh, that's interesting to you, that's a, that's a good place. But I, other than that, if you go deep into old Dubai, I don't see it a good playground for architectural photography maybe for street photography and for portraits but for architectural photography right. uh near dubai right and it would also be good to have that in your portfolio than old dubai because if you're going to show a portfolio you wouldn't you want to show something that is nice and new and wow i mean clearly you seem to know a lot a lot about this particular field a field like when we started off saying a lot of people think is literally just picking up a camera and taking a picture of a building clearly it's not have you ever had people who've come up to you and asked you to kind of you know teach them what you know or have you in the past or ever wanted to kind of teach this to anyone else uh so 
yes, I did have people who wanted to learn my technique, who came, who wanted to go with me on shoots. And I've done that in the past. I have them come with me on shoots, help me. And at the same, at the same time, they learn from what I'm doing. Uh, Apart from that, I also do tours and workshops in Dubai. Uh, So... That's that cool. is something that uh, everyone looks forward to. I take them to old Dubai and okay. then new Dubai, right. rooftop skyline, which is what everyone wants to capture these days. Right. The Burj Khalifa from different vantage points because it looks different from every every side right. at different right. times of the day. So that's something I do uh, on the side. Not my main thing, but yeah, on the side. Okay. And do you have anything coming up in the near future or planning to? Um, as of now, I've actually stopped. or It's on pause for the summer okay. because it's quite hot to move around outside right. at, at the moment. So starting September, I have my tours uh, open. Okay. Uh, if anyone is interested to join, uh, they can go on my website and have a look at what I offer. All right. Uh, apart from that, I might be having a workshop coming up in November. We haven't had anything said yet, but uh, right, we are looking okay. at it. It's cool. it's in the process. Cool. Sounds really good. Finally, man. I mean, for everyone who's listened to this thus far and who's kind of wondering about this awesome photo <laughs> that you keep on taking. Uh, where can people get in touch with you? Where can people find you? Where can people see your work? Uh, for live updates or more recent work, uh, it's my Instagram, which is at Anik Ahmed Photography. Uh, to, or you can reach me on my website, www.anik-ahmed.com. That's and where I have my entire portfolio online. That sounds good, man. I really, really, I mean, this was probably one of the much more technical podcasts that we've done <laughs> on the show thus far. But it really, I mean, makes me think about so much opportunity that, you know, one could do. And I would like to thank you again for coming on and sharing this with us, because I think this is the kind of stuff that people need to hear, especially in the whole architecture and art design field. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a great pleasure sharing with you. For all of you listening, show Anik some love, visit Instagram. Follow, tag. Follow, uh, tag, share, do all that good stuff that. (laughs) For real, check out his work. I guarantee you, you're not going to regret it. We'll see you guys next week. Hi, this is Anik Ahmed and this is the A-Form Show. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the complete episode. It means the world to us that you did. As you probably know, this episode, along with a host of many others, are available on all of your favorite streaming platforms. If this episode in any way added value to you, please subscribe to us and leave us a review. It really helps us get the show out there to a much, much, much larger audience. Feel free to share the episode with your friends, your colleagues, or anyone who may benefit from it. Meanwhile, if you'd like to get in touch with us, follow us on Instagram at aform.studio. That is at aform.studio and send us a DM. That's it. It's that easy. All right, guys, this has been awesome and we'll catch you guys next week.